So hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30 day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're gonna try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talks with David Savage and Jack Pierce. This is your technology podcast published every Monday and Thursday for the love of tech. Today's episode is a mashup of five interviews recorded at Shoreditch Town Hall on the 21st of September when we were kindly asked to attend Insurance 3.0. Whilst the interviews are short, I hope this episode gives you some insight into how technology is enabling change across the insurance market. Enjoy. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, David. Did you have a nice weekend? Lovely weekend. What did you, what did you get up to? I went back to Colchester. Nice. Saw my, my father, stepmother and sister. Had a prezzo. Chilled at my girlfriend's parents' house that evening. And then got back yesterday to be disappointed by my loving Arsenal. 2-2. Oh, 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. Still unbeaten, but... Uh, Newcastle still haven't won. Yeah. Our worst start to a season now for about 120 years. Who do we blame for that? One man and one man only. That's Mike Ashley. Well, there we go. Yeah, anyway, yeah. the listeners probably don't want to hear about football. Um, <laughs> did have a nice time though up in Manchester. Oh, one of your friends is the person from the, League the of Gentlemen. Show, League of Gentlemen. Tubbs. He looked... I mean, I thought it was Mark Gattis. I honestly thought it was him. Well, it, no, it's, it's um, Steve Pemberton. It's Steve Pemberton's character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. So good. Yes. But you were moaning at Amazon because... I was moaning at Amazon because... So I went as Kane. Kane is John Hurt in, in Alien. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The, uh, the famous scene where he's the only actor who actually knew what was going to happen in that scene. In Alien, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my wife was Sigourney Weaver. Uh, yep. Ripley. Looked really good, yeah. Uh, and so she needed a flamethrower. Uh, so we ordered a big toy gun on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't turn up. So one of her friends just thought that she was a grubby flash flash dance costume. <laughs> you should have um, you should have got in touch with the boring company and got an actual flamethrower. Yes, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. That's very true indeed. <laughs> I think they sold out within ten minutes, though. Yeah. No, I don't back. think they would have done like. So, well, it was supposed to be next day delivery, and we ordered it two days before, so I was very disappointed. That's terrible. I was very disappointed. Prime as well? Yeah, well, no, yeah. I have a Prime account, but I, I, I called them up the morning, because it said, ooh, it, will, it may still be delivered today, but there's been a delay. So I called up Amazon Customer Services and said, guys, it's for a party tonight. Kind of need it tonight. Yeah. I ordered this two days ago. And they were like, no, 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 100% guarantee it will be with you today. It never showed up. Oh. They tried to blame the courier, which is Royal Mail, but frankly, if they're selling it as... Yeah, yeah. That's it's their responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their responsibility. Um, and now our friends in Manchester are randomly going to get a toy gun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, Amazon, sort yourselves out. Come on, bait us. Uh, anyway, uh, today's show, um, well, there's not going to be as much from you, although we have got a product of the week to finish the show from, exactly. because it's a mashup episode from Insurance 3.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, five interviews with Systemic, who are a VC, Spixy. We know Spixie. We know Spixie. Friends of the show. Luno, uh, cryptocurrency uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bank of England. Oh. Interesting. And Consirus, who again? We know Consirus, didn't we? Friend of the show. Oh, uh, 
way back when day, when I was a lowly, well, I still am a lowly bid writer, we did a proposal for him, didn't we? We did. But um, yes, five interesting interviews mm. uh, from five different voices from Insurance 3.0, capturing the thoughts of the insurtech market. That's what's coming up. But stay tuned because we do have a very unusual product of the week. And it's brought in by you. So we're at Insurance 3.0 and I'm having a quick chat with the guys from Systemic, with Nicholas and with Jacob. Very quickly, why, well, what is Systemic and why are you guys here this morning? Systemic is a VC fund that invests on the backdrop of the biggest challenges facing humanity today. So we see that the sustainable development goals from the UN are actually a roadmap to identify multi-billion dollar uh, addressable markets. And we invest in the companies that are trying to solve some of these challenges and have a clear path of becoming a multi-billion dollar company. Now, I was reading an article a couple of days ago where it suggested that the, the next trillion dollar organization that no one's heard of yet could be in education. But obviously, this is an insurtech business. Where do you think these businesses are likely to come from? You know, standing in London, could you, could you see it coming from London as well? We haven't produced a single kind of massive uh, business of the style of a, an Uber or a Spotify yet. So why, why this particular event? Do you think that it could come from this sector? Uh, yeah, so definitely I, I, we have a very clear thesis that uh, the next Facebook or the next Google is likely to not just come from Silicon Valley, but can be anywhere in the world. Um, you see that uh, the penetration of unicorns has disseminated across the world. So uh, the Nordics have produced a ton of unicorns over the last couple of years, Europe in general. So you're seeing that there's this much wider trend of big companies being uh, started everywhere and not just uh, on the west coast of America. Jacob, out of interest, of the day that, that is lined up in the agenda, what, what stands out? What do you think is going to be most interesting? So I definitely think the setup they have with the Las Vegas room is quite interesting. So I think like what this uh, event as well is providing is connecting between the infrastructure, the existing business, the corporate and the startup. So I think in such an early stage, being able to interact with corporate would help a lot of the startup in the early stage. First of all, having the infrastructure, having not the possibility of doing the same mistakes that you often do when you're trying to, to open up the doors. So I think the whole networking part of it where you can get hands-on advice and experience, I think is a great, great part of it and I'm really looking forward to being part of that. Well, look, guys, have a great day. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes and uh, yeah, enjoy. So we're now joined by uh, someone who's a friend of the podcast. Reno, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, David. How are you? Yeah, good. Look, I'd, I'd hope that our listeners know who Spixy are by now, given that you've, you've been on the podcast before and you've been on our, on our panel events, but just very quickly, just in case, what is Spixy? Spixy, we build, design, and maintain chatbots, white label chatbots for the insurance industry. One of our latest examples is with Zurich, when you have a chatbot for, on their website for claims. So how come you're here today? I mean, I know that Insurance 3.0 makes sense given the industry that you're in, but you must get invited to a hell of a lot of events. We got invited quite a lot of insurance events, you're right. So usually we pitch, sometimes we host some panel and participate to some panel. Today's pitching. For us, it's quite important because it's where we get marketing leads, presence in the market, and then it's where discussion starts and build relationships. And when I first interview, interviewed you, you were going into partnership with Allianz, I think, if I remember right. Yep. And now you're working with Zurich. And now we work with Zurich on the, on, the, on the claim side. I mean, the insurance industry for what we do, which is basically engagement with digital customers, are on the distribution, the service of insurance company, um, insurance products, sorry, and claims. And Zurich, it's on the claim side. So how did, how did, that, how did that relationship come about? 
it goes really well. It goes really well because the, we started from an approach being really customer-centric, helping customers to notify their claims online. Before you arrive on the page, you had a 10 different phone numbers, you didn't know where to start. But one thing you knew, you knew that you're going to wait on the phone. And now you have 24 hours, seven days a week, chatbot, notifying and asking you all the questions, passing it to the claims handler that call you the next business day and you're settled. The, the, the net promoting score on this direction has been extremely positive and, is, and Zurich won an award, a British claim award this year, an industry award, thanks to this use of innovation. So it's going really well. I was at an event last week and uh, actually a, a stat came up that did make me think of you guys because uh, someone was giving a talk from Humley, who I think build chatbots as well, and they were saying that uh, 25% of customers would switch bank if it had a 24-7 chatbot. What, why are we so in favor of utilizing chatbots? Basically, chatbot is, is an extension from a business perspective of business processes. As a human, is just the same way you communicate with other human, but it's just a robot that gets stuff done. So basically it removes the friction between human and businesses. So when you are frustrated about certain services or products that you have, Chatbot offers you the ability of just getting stuff done better. And if you are not happy, then you just do other things with it. So it's absolutely great. Well, look, I know you're here to pitch today, so good luck. Uh, I hope you enjoy the event. Thank you, David. Speak to you soon. So we're talking to Maya from Luno. Yeah. You are a cryptocurrency platform, correct? Yes, we're a uh, cryptocurrency wallet and exchange. So a safe and secure way to buy Bitcoin and Ethereum specifically via our exchange and to hold it in our wallet afterwards. And this might be a really stupid question, but I'd assume B2C? Uh, yes, so we are very much focused especially in Europe, so we're in Africa, Asia and Europe, but Europe we're very much uh, uh, focusing on the consumer, understanding how they work, what are they looking for, educating them on obviously this new form of cryptocurrency and money. Uh, so yes, very much BTC, um, not to say that we wouldn't look at sort of a B2B side of things, but very much BTC for now. Out of interest then, your, your customers, how are they using cryptocurrencies? What are they kind of paying for? So um, it's an interesting question. I mean, I think our customers in Africa um, and potentially in Asia too uh, are using it to transfer value between each other, whether it's remittances between countries, um, payment for goods or services. Uh, they kind of It's easier to access uh, for a lot of people and there's uh, more trust in a new form of technology um, there. I think in Europe, it's, it's a good question that people are saying, well, I can't really pay for it anywhere I go. What's the point? Well, A, you will see more merchants using it. But B, I think we're not at that stage right now. It's in terms of adoption in Europe. It's more the education stage, maybe pushing it from an investment perspective, but the more people adopt it, there's more of a network effect, and then therefore a use case comes about it. It's any network, the more people on it, the more use cases come about it. And I think we're still at that kind of inception stage. Are you very keen to kind of draw the distinction that whereas there might be platforms where people can think of cryptocurrencies as, as an investment tool or platform, that's not the aim of your business? Uh, I think uh, sort of investing is a good way of incentivizing adoption because otherwise people will say what you just asked was why am I buying it for mm. what and I think that a good way of creating adoption and creating mass adoption is from that investment perspective but we very much educate our customers through the learning portal online and we also sort of see the longer term vision of why we believe this is an evolution of money so we want to incentivize people to buy it from an investment perspective if they feel they trust it and they want to it's totally up to them it's, it's an investment after all but also buy into understanding why we exist and what our longer term vision is and hopefully be part of that in the long term. So you've decided to come along to um, Insurance 3.0. Why? Interesting question. We were invited. Um, I think that insurance, you know, and, and in fintech and shortech, there's many techs behind uh, traditional uh, sectors, uh, are trying to evolve and become a lot more 
I guess, innovative. Um, and one area that is interesting is you see insurers or brokers talking about insuring crypto funds. Essentially, it's an asset. Um, you don't have to always insure a physical item. Um, it can be cyber. It can be a digital asset like cryptocurrency. So it's more about how you secure those funds and therefore how do you insure that um, afterwards. And you can pretty much insure anything. So it's interesting to see how insurance have innovated and are obviously looking at this space. Cool. Well, look, thank you for giving us a, a few minutes of your time. I know you're talking in the not-too-distant future, so I probably need to pre prepare for that, yeah. but thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for talking. So now we're talking to Tanji. You are a senior advisor at the Bank of England. Yes. That must be an interesting job at the moment. Uh, yes, it is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, what, what brings you along to, to Insurance 3.0? Well, I was asked to come along and uh, actually engage with some of the folks that are here today to talk about how you begin to um, you know, sell your USP or your uh, you know, idea, InsureTech idea, to the major um, you know, insurers that are in this space. How do you look to develop strategic alliances with them and you know sell your benefit to their operations and how can you help them in fact you know um, become more innovative and develop more innovative products but I'm really happy to see the younger folks that are getting involved in the insurance space which is usually deemed to be pretty boring. I mean if we're perfectly honest you think of the Bank of England you think of something with a lot of legacy and a lot of yes. cultural heritage. And then you obviously think of insurance, and again, that's exactly the same. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned before we hit record, you know, it hasn't really changed in some regards in, in 300 years. So what are the strategies that help get younger people involved and help encourage innovation when you have got so much, I don't want to say technical debt, because that's probably too much of a technology term, but certainly legacy. Right. Well, I think that technology um, is actually forcing more traditional um, you know, players such as banks and insurers uh, to look at where is your value? What value do you bring? Um, are you actually innovating and coming up with new products and new services that are fit for purpose um, for you know the the consumer, um, even for corporate businesses? Uh, quite frankly, so it goes across the piece. Um, you know, we do see uh, a lot of the insure techs now that are pretty much in the value chain. So actually, being able to deliver um, more efficient uh, and and they're more nimble in the offerings that they could facilitate, you know, for the larger insurers and banks, if you will, that have older legacy systems and they're really uh, Luddites, if you will. So we're, you know, trying to understand the best of both worlds. So how you can take that heritage, that history, that, um, if you will, intellectual property and how you can marry it up with the new uh, landscape that is that te technology is bringing to us. Insurance definitely has managed to um, foster good partnerships between InsureTech and legacy insurance businesses. When you kind of think about the way that Allianz, uh, for example, are working with a, with a company like Flock that, that we know right. from, from the podcast. But do you see much um, collaboration and innovation across the traditional players rather than just kind of between the startup uh, sector and, and the larger players? Do those larger players share ideas amongst each other? Um, I would have to say that's probably a limited 
uh, there's probably limited scope. You know, there's still such a thing as competition, right? right. You know, so everyone's trying to get a competitive edge. Um, there are, you know, obviously certain companies that are in this space, you know, so, uh, Viva, and you've mentioned some others that are very much looking to be forward thinking and um, engaging, actively engaging with, you know, the insure techs, if you will. And then there are others that I think are still, um, they are still looking at this as maybe it's um, maybe just a fad, um, and they don't really see where it's going to make a big impact just yet on their bottom line. Because let's face it, you know they've got shareholders, uh, you know dividends to be paid out, uh, investments that need to be made um, just with their own legacy systems, just getting themselves up to speed before they start looking at well, how can I, you know, extend. Uh, you know, extend my offering. So I think that there are some players that are very much looking to innovate. Um, their boards that are looking to do that, and then there are others that are really um, trying to, maybe you say, get their house in order first. <laughs> Look, thank you for spending a few minutes to talk to us. I know you've been speaking all day, so it's it's uh, very kind of you to give up some more time. But uh, I hope you have a good afternoon. Thank you. So we're having a quick chat with Mark. Uh, you are the sales director at Concirus, who we know quite well. Yeah, that's right. Um, just very quickly, what sales director kind of could be pretty much selling anything, depending on, on what the business is. What do you actually do for Concirus? So we have two parts of our business. We focus on um, marine and motor. Um, I'm particularly responsible for the marine business, so I'm responsible for uh, figuring out our value proposition, working specifically with the Lloyd specialty markets to try and work out how you can adopt big data and, and marine intelligence in, in, into your business. And you're here at Insurance 3.0 as a speaker. Was it a pitch or a, or a, or a kind of a panel? Or? Yeah, I just had a pitch in the pitching parlor about 15 minutes ago. How did it go? It went very well. I mean, we, we, had, a, we had a pretty good crowd, a lot of questions, um, and actually a good range of questions, not just for, we had questions from brokers and underwriters and portfolio managers, as well as some um, international business development people who seem to want to take some of our proposition to the US, which is really exciting. Now, working across the Lloyds market is kind of one of the, I don't necessarily think it's fair to say resistant to change, but it certainly hasn't changed for kind of the best part of 300 years, and here you come along with an IoT business that's pretty innovative. How has building partnerships and being able to sell that product been? Is it is it is there been a fair amount of resistance, or have they actually been quite open to that innovation? I think it, I think it's really incumbent on the insurer tech to take the right approach. So um, marine especially hasn't changed in a very long time. But you know the Lloyd's market is really expert, and, and and you know whenever they see something valuable, they do want to use it. But I actually think it's incumbent on the insurer tech to figure out how to get their technology adopted in the market. So that's probably been the secret to our success that we've really taken the time to work out all the challenges, not just the companies are facing but their challenges of adoption and we've made it look really really easy to use and adopt and I think that's you know been a big factor in why the market's suddenly starting to turn and look at using big data because we essentially make it deployable and consumable and easy to use. I suppose very quickly last, last question uh, I, I know from talking to your colleagues in the past that there's been a that, that difficulty when you're in a when you when you are a startup of right got to sell something got to build something and kind of getting that that balance right and you were just saying you're getting to the point now where you're having to turn customers away which to which is a great problem to have so what what challenges do you see for you uh, and opportunities over the next six months to a year I guess our biggest challenge is growing too fast now um, yeah. so so what we've done recently is we, we've decided we're only going to focus on 10 customers next year um, we, we've put that in our strategic plan and, and we, we've pretty much picked those who, who those partners are so we're working closely with those partners to try and figure out not only how to get 
adopted, but to really take advantage of the opportunity. The wrong approach would be to run after every opportunity in the market, do too much too soon, and not really finish off our value proposition. Um, so I guess, you know, at our phase in our business, we realized that you, you do all the evangelizing, you educate the market, you get those early adopter customers, but then you have to slow down and you have to really take your time to work with them to, to realize the ultimate value of what you're providing. Well, look, I know it's been probably quite a long day for you talking to a lot of potential customers and so on, uh, and you've spoken uh, in front of a group, so I really appreciate you taking extra time to talk to us, but have a lovely evening. I imagine you're going to go find a drink soon. I certainly am. Thanks very much. Right, before we finish the show, we yep. do have a product of the week. We do, but this is, this is totally new, Dave. This is you bringing it to me. And we actually have it. Yeah, yeah, physically sitting here in front of me. In yeah. a little bag that says Jewel, J-U-U-L. Now, mm. let me just explain, Jack. Please do. I hate your dirty habit of smoking. You do. I have spoken many times before that you should not smoke. Yeah. Uh, now, I also don't necessarily have a particularly positive outlook on vaping because I just think it's substitute smoking. And I, yep. like many people, don't really know a huge amount about it. I just go, well, it's just smoking, right? And also, it seems as though it's a massive gateway for teenagers now. They, they start vaping before they smoke. Right. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. So... Jewel got in touch with the show. Jewel Lab's mission is to eliminate cigarettes. They point out that for over a century, effectively, no one has disrupted the cigarette market. Very true. Okay. Um, here are some interesting stats. 78,000 people a year in the UK die from deaths related to smoking. It's a high number. If you actually... 78,000, it's, it's, I remember an Eddie Izzard sketch years ago. Uh, in Dress to Kill, where he talks about mass murder. And he's like, you know, you kill one person, it's like, oh my God. You kill five people, it's like, oh my God, lock them up in a cell, look at them, study them. You kill 100,000 people, and it's like, oh my God, what do you do? It's like, death, 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 breakfast, death, 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 <laughs> lunch. It's like so much that you can't cope with it, and, and it just becomes meaningless. Yeah. 78,000 deaths a year is a bit like that. It's like, it's too many to really grasp. Yeah. It's the equivalent of a jumbo jet going down every single day. Wow. If you think about it that way, there is a plane falling out of the sky full of people dying in the UK every single day because of smoking. Yeah, yeah. When you visualise it like that, you go, shit. That is, I mean, what, that 70,000's got, I know it's not going to sound much, but 0.01% of the whole population? What, are we 70 million? It's, it's, yeah. it's still a disgusting It's a frighteningly amount. high figure. And you think about the knock-on effects in terms of costs to, to healthcare, yeah. etc., the NHS, something needs to be done about it. Now, Juul, um, yeah, it's a vaping company, but they are only aiming these products at smokers. Yep. Okay? That's very, very key to point out. Um, E-cigarettes, according to gov.co, are 95% less harmful than cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, actually, um, I didn't know this until I was speaking to them, but uh, a lot of the cancer research platforms say that they're, they're not a bad thing. Yep. They're, that's, well, that's they're a good, good thing, that's, but they're not yeah, a bad thing. Yeah. Nicotine in itself is... is is the equivalent of caffeine when it comes to an addictive substance. Right, okay. Okay? So the cig this e-cigarette aims to give you that hit, but get you off cigarettes. Yeah, it's the, uh, the, what I've read, and I've got friends that have got jewels, is they've said, even after vaping, that it is as close to having a cigarette or a rolly as you yeah. can get. And you might be wondering what the significance to this show is. It is an, an e-cigarette, but it's very technology-driven. Oh, yeah. It's from the Valley. Uh, it plugs into your laptop. It charges. It looks completely different from a... Looks like a USB pen, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. does. Yeah. It is very tech-driven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does it have an app? 
it doesn't have an app. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know what the battery life is, but there we go. Um, so you've got such a good description, but you've fallen flat on the key info yeah, like I do every I week. Know. No, but that's fine. We'll figure that out. But, all right, the starter kit is a little bit more expensive than a box of cigarettes, Jack. But they claim that they can lift a million people out of poverty. Don't forget that smoking, yeah. actually, you could, you could say that it's a bit of a class divide. Yeah, people yeah. think that smoking in the UK is largely a, 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 a past habit. Uh -huh. Actually, in a lot of deprived communities, it's really not. Yeah. Um, they're expensive. A, what, a budget box of cigarettes is eight, nine pounds? And they're disgusting. Yeah. yeah. They reckon that they can lift a million people out of poverty. They reckon it'll save the average smoker £3,000 a year. Just to, just to link this back to last Thursday's show with wage stream, yeah. I, I, I know that people need money. I mean, I smoke rolling, so I spend about £15 a month on tobacco. Not, yeah. not ma massive ground-breaking numbers, but I know people that get for at least one pack a week. And lo and behold, one of the things they always need to buy before they get paid is another one or two packs of cigarettes, which in today's climate is at least, two packs of cigarettes is at least 20 quid. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, especially when you know you're yeah, into your yeah, last yeah. week payday. It really is. Look, um, Dan Thompson, who's the UK MD, he is a friend of Kate Ward, uh, the EVP of Refinery29. That's, yeah. That's how he decided to get in touch with the show because he heard her episode. I went to meet him. I was initially very sceptical. Uh, and he is going to be coming on the show and putting forward Jules' case. Yes. Uh, and this is something that I'm still slightly sceptical about, but absolutely happy to give a platform if it's tech for good. Yeah. And there would appear to be a tech for good angle here. Uh, and I want you to try them, Jack. I've got, a, he's kind of given me a starter pack for you and for Ryder. Yep. Because uh, our producer Ryder smokes as well. Yep. Um, and you guys are going to give him a try. How long are you going to give it a try for? Indefinitely, like there's no. Well, no, but I mean, if, if, if we, if we, he's hopefully going to come on the show in the, within the next month or so. Yeah. We would say like a four-week period. Absolutely. And then you come back. My, and my, say, my aim is to not smoke any tobacco. Right. At, at work. Now that during, you've got this. Yeah, exactly. So well, at work. What about at all? What if it? If it no, does not, the not trick. in the evenings or anything like that. It's just I smoke the majority of my rollies at lunch break before work and after work. Try so. and give, try and give those dirty little sticks yeah. up. Yeah, no, I am hundred percent. It would be. It would be only good for me. I've got, I've got your starter pack there. You've got me loads, um, loads one, of One, two, three, four, five. Let's have a look. Rustling on the audio here. Yeah. Uh, five different boxes of the refills. That apparently are the equivalent of four. The, each pod is like a box of cigarettes in terms of puffs. Okay. I have no idea what I'm talking about here. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And they're only £10. So it's saving you a hell of yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, that's good going. Uh, we've got you some mango nectar flavour. Oh. Uh, what else? Um, golden tobacco. Nice. Royal creme. That sounds fancy. It does rather, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know what royal creme. Glacier mint is one of Glacier them. Glacier mint, yep. Yeah. And apple orchard. Oh, now, apple. Dan, who is the UK MD of Jewel. Was he a smoker? He was. He, yeah. he Mal, Marlborough Gold. Marlborough Gold. Yeah. 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 Uh, loved him. the creme one. For uh, 20 years. And wow. his wife was on it and to give up. Uh, he was interviewed by Jewel, they said give it a go, and he's not touched one since. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, let's hope the same happens to me, I'm sure it will. Now, if all of the toxins and the tar and the nectar and all those horrible things are taken out, and it's not harming your body, and it's no different from me drinking my three cups of coffee a day, Yeah. well, it's a step in the right direction. If we can get you off them entirely, as we said, Jewel's mission is to eliminate cigarettes. 
that can only be a good thing, I think, on the surface. Definitely. We are going to explore this in more detail on the pod because it is a tech-driven, valley-originated business. Uh, there are Decacorn who are growing faster than Facebook. They they've were got, Decacorn. They've got, I think they've got 75 or 80% of the, of the US fake market and growing fast. The They're new it. here in the UK. So it's an interesting story on a health front, on an innovation front, and on a tech front. And Jack is going to, along with Ryder, as I said, is going to give him a go. Absolutely. I, I, I'm going to get this charged up. I'm going to use it within the next half hour. Fair enough. Look, that's our show today. We hope you enjoyed uh, the interviews from Insurance 3.0. Uh, and I hope that you are intrigued to see how Jack gets on in our little experiment with this rather unique product we'll of the week. do a video later in the week just to update people. And Dan, we look forward to having you on the show in the coming weeks. Yes. 